Today I welcome Tom Rogerson, Headmaster at Cotsmoor Prep in the UK. In this episode, I discuss the power of a head's personal brand, making schools fun, cyberbullying, and how to build a legacy at a family school. Um, Tom, you've been something of a social media celebrity in the last year. Tell me about that. Was it a conscious decision to raise your profile? Am I really a celebrity, though? Within the independent education space, I do think that you are a social media celebrity. I think some people liked a video that I I put up, but yeah, okay. So I think it wasn't my preference. Lucy, who works with me on PR and media, if she was here, she'd be able to explain it a bit better. She understands the theory. But it wasn't my preference to be at the forefront. So we were happily going along, putting in an advert into Sussex Life and you know, advertising with this magazine up in London. And uh, she said, you've got to be the face. Somebody's got to be the face. Somebody's got to be the, like you, like you and your sort of, you know, Star Wars thing. You're getting people to look. She said, you've got to do it. And I said, no, for about a year, because I'd never done it, didn't want to do it. And then a few people put up some stuff and they were playing the organ on, you know, trying to calm everybody down and lockdown on LinkedIn, <laughs> very serious organ playing. And I looked at LinkedIn, I thought, that is a boring place. I really want to just jump out of a closed window when I get on LinkedIn. So what I did, I said, well, I might try and just cheer up a couple of people I know. Went from there. Certainly not a social media celebrity, but certainly somebody who wants to cheer a couple of people up. So I didn't want to, but there it was. Yeah, I mean, you, you and I have known each other a few years now, and, it's, and it was always around social. And we've had a lot of conversation about tweeting and what to tweet and You've always been pretty prolific, you know, particular events and having opinions. And, and you can see the value of contributing and having a voice when so many heads weren't even considering of being on it. Do you think that heads should all be on social media and have some kind of voice? I don't. I don't think they should be there if they don't want to be there. If they want to be at academic intellectual roundtables, that's what they should do. If they want to be on social media, that's what they should do. If they want to spend quite a lot of time with their children, do lots of teaching, that's what they should do. You choose your thing. You choose where you're most comfortable. You choose your flow, your energy, your creativity, your place of flow, your place of flow, and you go there. So no, I don't think everybody should be on on social media. They might be, you know, take my place. I don't want them there. Um, I'm joking. You know, the more the merrier. But I think, no, they shouldn't be there if they don't want to be. I think the worst thing is to watch somebody being there who didn't want to be there. That would be quite awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah, 100%. And social media is all about authenticity. So let's talk about authenticity. Mm. So, okay, we won't call you a celebrity. Why don't we call you an influencer? You know, influencers on social get a lot of stick for not being authentic and portraying themselves in an unrealistic way. Are you authentic or is it marketing driven? Can it not be both, is it? Well, is it driven by your PR lady? It says, Tom, you need to go and do this. It's good for your profile. And then you go and do it. Or actually, are you driven by, actually, this is Tom, I'm going to go and do it. It's got to be where, you, where your flow is. So you just got to... Like that. Bring your stuff, bring your toys, bring your stuff, bring your guitar, bring your, I don't know, are you a speed biker? You know, whatever it is, bring it. And have you found it easy to kind of put yourself out there? Because it requires time. It requires effort. It requires just like a good plant. You know, it requires feeding. You can't just be a one hit one that put something out there because you've got to keep putting content out there. Do you find that part hard? Fish and chip paper. It literally disappears. 
the leaves off a tree or something that it just goes and you didn't exist you know literally the next week you could go down to one like the next day I think photographs, video, opinions, even opinions and feelings, they're all ephemeral. I think as soon as you post something, it becomes inauthentic the moment you post it, because thousands of pieces of information would have come to you between when you post it and now. It's authentic at the moment. I try to be authentic in the moment, but it's inauthentic from that moment. You can only post, Simon, your own truth, I think. For Cotsmore, that is be kind, work hard, have fun. And obviously, the last one is seriously, seriously important. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you have a look at my office here. I mean, fun has to be. Humans are meant to have fun. And I honestly think that your authenticity does absolutely shine through. I don't think you do it because of a marketing drive. You get the benefit of marketing because you're authentic and people like to see you being you and funny stories or anecdotes or just posing a question or playing the guitar. That's really authentic. And actually, it's probably missing from the education sector, which can feel conservative and stuffy. How do you balance tradition, particularly with the school that you're at now, which is very much family driven? And also, what would your father and grandfather think? Tradition and movement can sit together. They can sit together. It's so, it's difficult to explain really, but they can be together. What you don't want to do is throw away saying please and thank you. You don't want to throw away holding a door open for something. You don't want to throw away having good manners and knowing how to communicate with other people. And also, you don't want to not move with the times. You've got to move with the times. You've got to have that technology. You've got to have that open mind. You've got to be with the zeitgeist. You've got to be there. But I don't think it means that you can't be traditional as well. And I think it's a balance of traditional values, but a modern approach and being relevant. You know, education has suffered. The independent sector has much better control of being able to adapt. Do you find that easier because you have more control to change and to offer? So we're allowed to hold on to the things that are brilliant in education. And we're allowed to get rid of the stuff that is terrible, like not doing grammar at all, 60s or whenever people decided that was a great idea. Would that never happened in prep schools and public schools? It's the same answer. Have you always craved attention? Well, I didn't get attention being the youngest. My youngest gets all the attention. Have I craved it? You can answer that yourself. I'm in a rock band. I love running a school. I don't know, maybe. Again, if I did really crave attention, then I would have been probably a bit more upfront in the early years of headmastering. But you feel comfortable as well. Again, it's very difficult putting yourself out there. And, you know, there's imposter syndrome in different ways, but you don't want to suddenly put yourself out there to be... I do, I do have massive imposter syndrome when it comes to doing keynote speeches. I don't have imposter syndrome at Cotsmore because I grew up here, I was born here. It runs through your veins. It's innate. I've recently experienced, perhaps maybe even for the first time, imposter syndrome, giving a speech to my peers, yeah. you know, giving a keynote speech. That is, whew, have you done, you've done that, right? The biggest one I did was for the National Girls' Schools Coalition in Washington, D.C. I was the warm-up act to Billie Jean King with a thousand representatives talking about the future of education and the future schools. So, yeah. At that one moment, I had massive imposter syndrome that I was there. And, you know, you kind of look around the audience, you're looking at everyone's eyes, you're looking for feedback because you need feedback. You need to know, you know, this is going well. Try it in the middle <laughs> of, you know, speaking to the abyss on Zoom, literally radio silence. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah. And I think presenting online is enormously difficult because you do not get that feedback. It's why you go and look at comedians. And we went and did a drive-in 
comedy show. It was put on, it was big drive-in in in a farmer's field. It was brilliant. It's like a drive-in theatre, but it was a comedy night. And all the comedians struggled because they couldn't have banter and connection with an audience. And I suppose that's where social media is good, because you put it out there and you wait. You wait for that feedback. I want to ask you about if being on social media, does that impact how your parents view you? Do some kind of go, well, he always seems to be on social media. When is he running the school and educating our kids? Or is it never really? It's the same answer. It's at the same time. This is the problem is that if you hire somebody to do your social media, then they go home. If you're running a boarding school, they go home at four and all the cool, well, that's cool lessons and brilliant stuff and experiments and a great maths lesson doing this. You know, the really fun stuff happens after five o'clock when this social media guru person has gone home and that's no good. So we get out there. We're right in there. Your parents aren't kind of going, oh, well, he's, he's on social media, cultivating his own personal brand. Or is that me stretching a bit too far? You know, as well as everybody else, that I'm not going anywhere. So actually, I don't need a personal brand. Early on, I didn't particularly want one. And I'm not sure if I want one now. It doesn't matter to me. The thing is, to answer your question, it is the exactly the opposite. We're a boarding school. Parents love hearing how things are going. They want to know what the weather's like. They want to know that we did the Carson Cup today and diddly do one, the Carson Cup being the, um, the cross-country race that we do. I want to know who diddly do is. I mean, that's... Diddly I mean, that's... do. Now, she is really quite cool. I'll tell you about her later. Yeah, she's a scholar. That's the point. They want to know these things. They want to know that somebody did a little concert on a Tuesday morning. There it is. Put it up. You've got to follow the safeguarding regulations, obviously, but, and we're very, very um, strict on that. We have closed accounts and we have open accounts, as you probably know, which isn't very good, by the way, for Twitter. We only get like one like a sort of month on Twitter. If you close your account, Twitter really doesn't like it. What you've mentioned there is something I've been a big promoter of for probably a decade now. And actually what makes every school different is you, the place, the kids, the stories, the things that you do. And social media, what that's done is it's given you and schools a platform, easy platform to be able to share those quickly and timely You know when they happen, because that's all parents crave. I just want to know that my child is happy and I want to see what they're doing. And it's completely authentic. In fact, it's wonderful. You know, you can get a sense that I'm quite proud of the school. In some ways, it's the only way you can show people what's going on. Because otherwise, it's like a closed door, the door, front door shuts, bang, bye-bye, you know, off you go to another a place. It's much more open. And it's balancing because a lot of schools in the independent sector, you know, it's about promise. It feels like it's about success and, you know, them bridging or stepping into you know, being more open and authentic on social media has been quite difficult for a lot of schools. But the reality is that parents buy authenticity. I want to see what is going on. And I don't want to buy promises because you can all end up sounding the same. Do you do social media training within your school for your teachers? And is that something that you support them with? Is that a sales pitch? No, 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 not at all. I'm, I'm really kidding. But, but, <laughs> but, you know, but you know, we're very good at that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when have you, can you go at five o'clock tomorrow? The quick answer is we don't and we should. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. Your staff must see you on, on social as well. And, you know, you're obviously leading from the front. And it is really, really great to see that. Do you ever get your kids because they've seen it or they've heard about it coming up to you and saying, I saw that, I really liked it? Yes. 
not a single prep school child. Well, I say not a single, maybe a couple. The young ones, on the other hand, they are all over it. They love it. They can't get over it. In fact, I'm walking by and they, they're sort of like, their eyes open up like, whoa, you. They know who I am because they've been at the school for three years. They're almost like, you, 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 you jumped in the lake like that. So it's very, very sweet. Juniors absolutely love it. The seniors, they're ambivalent. You mentioned the lake. Again, I think a defining moment. This was last year, at the end of the last academic year. You jumped in the lake in the grounds of your school. Why? It's too hot. <laughs> Quick answer, charity. It was for a place to be. I don't know if you'd known, but I built up. I started with one thing where I threw off my jacket and jumper and ran off into the distance. And then it was something else. I can't remember what it was. But it was just there. The answer to your question is play the advantage. If you have a something else, I don't know, a cool climbing tree or something like that, climb up the climbing tree fully, you know, seated, whatever it is, play the advantage. Whatever you've got, do that. So what have you got planned? Have you been thinking about this year? You must have done because, you know, on the back of last year, you must be thinking, okay, I've now got to up the ante. Lots of planning in preparation right now for... Funny you say that. I've made an epic video. Absolutely epic. You've already made it. I don't know if you saw, but I did one. It was too long and the next one's a bit too long as well. It should be under a minute, really. Did you see the one where I was picking up telephones? and? I've seen on? them all. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like a fan. There's the Nokia. Ah, I've got the Nokia's going on. The next one's got like iWatches and it gets quite extreme. As in, not rude or anything, but it gets quite, you know, the types of communication get quite extreme at the end. So there's another one coming. There is another Literally one coming. this week. I want to do it for charities. So I'm trying to get my charity stuff sorted. I've got to figure out how to get money out of just giving. It's really hard. That comes down to your comms strategy. And that's not another plug, but you know where it's not. I mean, all of these things, it's about engagement. It's about impact. It's about reach. You know, you can amplify your brand because A, it's about acquiring new families to hear about Cotsmore. The other bit is the retention to make sure that you keep your families there and they go, do you know what? This is a great place. Why would I leave? And amplifying and say, then it's the advocacy. Those will buy into you and the school and go, do you know, I just support what you do. And that's not always easy for a school that doesn't have a head, I feel, that isn't, you know, open and authentic online. How has your own online personal brand helped Cotsmore? So... There's a couple of answers to that question. It's increased people's understanding of Cotsmore. And that's really, really important. I think it's been the best kept secret. You know, those sort of people said, oh, it's such a glorious gem that we all like to keep secret. Well, that's not good enough, frankly. So it's increased people's understanding of what Cotsmore is. Sometimes Cotsmore can be very serious. Sometimes Cotsmore can be jump into a freezing cold lake. Sometimes Cotsmore can win national awards like Boarding School of the Year from the Times Education Supplement or Prep School of the Year, Tatler Schools Awards. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's the answer. But how much of that, you know, again, the awards are a result also of a lot of the work you're doing personally with your own brand in terms of reputation, recognition. Do you think that you still would have got those awards had you not been so prolific? It's all about the tree falling in the, in the wood, isn't it? Did it make a sound if nobody was there? nobody was watching it, didn't make a sound. And so that's my answer to you. There's such incredible, Simon, things going on at Cotswold and every school. It's a great sadness if John Smith, again, another close friend of mine in Horsham, doesn't know about that. It's sad if the person, you know, the mother in London hasn't ever heard of. She could benefit so much from sending her girl or her boy 
to Cotsmore. And yet, what great sadness is it that she's never heard of the place? I think I'm doing people a favour. It's marketing and awareness. You know, you can't live on, you say, the best kept secret, because guess what? The best kept secrets will soon become a, a really well kept secret that no one's heard of. And then, you know, you start to struggle. You've obviously got a strong reputation with the great schools that you you send all your pupils onto. How much does this help towards acquiring, again, good families to come to Cotsmore in terms of you having a good reputation? I think it affects it unless it's about and we should probably do a, a video on, on future schools and the transition and moving on. Racking my brains, I don't think we've done one, uh, which ironically, we haven't done a boarding one either, which is really weird because obviously boarding school of the year, we're a boarding school, boarding prep school. Definitely got to do that. Probably should. To me, it's, you know, people buy into the boarding prep school. And, you know, when you, you send your child off to one of these schools, it is about you preparing them to go on to a good senior school. And you've got a good relationship with first class senior schools. Is that a deliberate part of your educational model that you want to send them off to the best schools? Or will you find the right school for each child? They're not mutually exclusive. You know, there are some utterly incredible schools out there that are not the big names that attract, that draw, you know, the Coca-Colas and the Nike and the whatever schools that are synonymous with certain, you know, aspects of, of the education system. Oh, I want my son to go to that school. I want my daughter to go to that school because they haven't really looked elsewhere. It hasn't made a, a big difference with the transition, I don't think. Huge difference that people coming to Cotsmore wanting to come to Cotsmore. But I think then the alchemy happens, then the stuff happens, then we figure out who they are and the parents tell us who they think they are and the children, that is. And then we, we work out the best future for them. Tell me how you have got on with the remote learning during lockdown. And um, was it an easy thing to transition to because prep schools have suffered and primary education has suffered the most out of any part of the education kind of flow? Did you adapt really quickly and have you seen really positive results? You say they've been bad for them. What, how, how has it been bad for them? Well, it's a lot easier for secondary school children to be independent learners, to be get online, to learn, to be taught, because parents have really struggled to be home support teachers. They're juggling day jobs. So it wasn't their dream. It's why they send them to schools like yours and particularly boarding schools. Yeah, you make a conscious yeah. decision that actually, look, I'm entrusting you to, to educate my child pastorally as well as academically. And now, you know, you've got to give me that same type of education, but remotely. Did you get to it quite easily? Were your parents pleased with the provision that you offered? It was part having the right technology in place already. Did we spend lots of money on that already? Yes. Did we have all the technology in place? Yes. Did we do that because there was going to be a global pandemic? We, we did not do that because there was going to be a global pandemic. But all of Microsoft 365 has literally everything you'll ever want to impart knowledge remotely. And so did we start immediately? We literally started the next day. It was miraculous. I still can't quite get over it. Friday what was it, the 23rd of March. Boris said, no more school now. Thank you very much. And we were open teaching the children with Cotsmore's remote learning program on Monday morning. So closed on the Friday and we were open on the Monday. I think it was miraculous. Of course, that people didn't know how to behave and they were writing emojis in the, in the chat and, hey, and always talking, ah, how are we doing? And, oh, sir, I haven't got the thing and you know, all this sort of stuff. And, and so it seemed, I think, for the first two, maybe two days, it seemed pretty chaotic. And probably the parents looking on were kind of like, oh, my word, this is... After that, they nailed it. The children were fantastic. At the beginning of this term, after a day, after two days, I sent a message out to 
all of the teachers, and they were so complimentary about the children. And that's one of my proudest moments of the year, of this remote learning year. The teachers all sending these messages, the kids are fantastic, they're doing really well, the boys and girls are really nailing it this time around, and it's all fantastic. I think we might have been a bit lucky, Simon. Uh, I'd rather be lucky than something, I can't remember what the phrase is, but um, having the technology in place. One thing we, it was definitely not luck is that we had lots and lots of technology in place. So we had Century Tech signed up in the last three weeks of school when we were open. We have things like Language Nut. We have things like Education City. We have basically everything that you can, we've got it. And we decided, well, that's got to be a strategy, hasn't it? You just go for all of the really, really great technology, just get it all in. So we had Manga High. Um, I don't know if you know Manga High. It's a sort of maths um, consolidation sort of program and just so many, so many pieces of technology. And we just ship them all in. The teachers are using them. And personally, I think Cotsmore has done a really, really super job. And getting access to the normal curriculum online has not been easy, nor for the teachers, because they're not designed. You know, they, they were trained to deliver a curriculum online. But with all schools, I think they've really dug deep and they've done the best they can. And, and it's a phenomenal effort. I'm sure, you know, other schools are brilliant too. But, um, you know, I'm not the headmaster of other schools. I'm headmaster of Cotsmore. So it's all I've seen, but I, I'm, I'm just bowled over. Your office setup is more radio station DJ. Do you see the, the microphone? No, but yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I've, I've seen Can it. Can you go. see that? Because I can't see that yeah. on my own. When this pandemic is over, will it go back to a headmaster's study or a music studio? This is, this is our life now. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, can't go back. There's no turning back. I'm going to let you see us out with a tune It's in not a plugged in. I can just pretend I'm really, really good at playing that. Like that. I can't play you a proper tune, Simon, because my guitar only has four strings at the moment. Can you see there's two missing? I, next time, I'll, uh, I'll make sure my guitars are, have enough strings on them. You have a very professional setup, more professional than mine, and I really appreciate that. So it's a family school with a lot of legacy. What's going to be your legacy, Tom? What I'd say, my legacy, he turned it into something that's um, suitable for 2021 or 2030 or whenever they're saying this. Also, he kept the good stuff and he didn't mind cracking on with the technology and bringing in the technology and making Cotsmore into the X-Men mansion and having the technology come out of the wall. Whoa, you know, force field. That's fine. But you've got to say please and thank you. You've got to open the door. I hope they say that. Manners matter. Tom... As ever, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks ever so much for taking the time. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Simon. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.